Welcome to The Week Ahead in Russia, RFERL's Monday podcast about significant developments and upcoming events in Moscow and beyond. I'm Steve Gutterman, and my guest this week is RFERL Enterprise Editor Carl Schreck. Thanks for joining me today, Carl. Great to be here, Steve. All right, great to have you as a guest again. It's been a while. Uh, now, one thing that's coming up this week, in fact, tomorrow, is the opening session of the new State Duma, or the old State Duma, with some new names and faces. I think about 200, a little over 200 uh, new different lawmakers. Uh, this follows the elections held last month for the Duma, which is Russia's lower house of parliament and a key lever of power for President Vladimir Putin. In the eyes of government critics, at least, uh, the elections were um, badly marred by both a campaign that appeared aimed to keep genuine government opponents off the ballots and claims of wide-scale fraud uh, aimed to ensure that the Kremlin-backed United Russia Party retained its constitutional two-thirds majority in the Duma, which it did. Uh, United Russia was awarded well over uh, 300 of the Duma's 450 seats. Um, I'll stop uh, soon with this intro, but I just want to mention that apparently the Duma session uh, is to be opened uh, tomorrow by Valentina Tereshkova, of course, the, the cosmonaut who was the first woman in space. Uh, and last year, uh, she was the Duma deputy who proposed the constitutional amendment adopted a few months later uh, that allows Putin to run for re-election in 2024 and again in 2030 if he wishes. Um, he had been unable uh, to do that uh, under the Constitution uh, before before last year. Um, this seems symbolic uh, in a way. Certainly the Duma elections uh, were seen as setting the stage for 2024 and his decision about whether he'll run again and what he'll do. Um, Carl, do you think the new Duma will bring some kind of change? Or to put it another way, is there is there anything you'll be watching for uh, from the legislature after it uh, opens? Well, I think what I'll really be keeping an eye out, and I think a lot of people will be, um, is you know what sort of um, additional restrictive measures are going to be enacted targeting um, government opponents. I mean, if you look at, say, where we were um, after the 2011 uh, Duma elections and look at where we are now in terms of civil society and opposition, it really has been, you know, like... Um, the old metaphor of boiling the frog. Um, I mean, Russia is so far away um, from from you know where it was a decade ago in those uh, in those terms. I mean, eight years ago you had Alexei Navalny running for the mayor of Moscow, um, and so it's tough for me to to predict what kind of measures these might be. They might um, we might be looking at. Um, amendments to laws on foreign agents or uh, undesirable organizations where additional restrictions are um, are levied under that uh, that existing infrastructure, and I expect um, new repressive measures. Uh, I don't see that the Kremlin has really suffered any. Um, Serious blowback within the country or among uh, among the populace um, as it's ratcheted up uh, its targeting of of the so-called foreign agents and undesirable organizations, um, and so I'm not sure they see any logic in in you know stopping at this point. 
Yeah, very, very interesting. I mean, uh, great to point out uh, the, the big difference uh, between and kind of the way it's been like a slow burn uh, between the situation 10 years ago, eight, five years ago, and and today. Um, so, the, you know, and, and uh, interesting assessment of, you know, how the Kremlin is, is seeing the elections. Um, I, I guess my second question is is related to the first because it's about change, uh, the possibility of change at least, um, and this plays into the idea of you know is there any pressure on the Kremlin um, to to change? Um, over the past few weeks, there have been some developments I would say show uh, Putin's Kremlin in an unflattering light. I'll mention three. Uh, one is the claims of electoral fraud and the whole situation surrounding the elections. Um, another is the release of the Pandora Papers, leaked documents that point to hidden money um, held by dozens of Russians uh, abroad, mostly in uh, in um, tax havens, uh, including a number of people with, with ties to the Kremlin. And the third is the fact that a co-winner of the Nobel Peace Prize uh, was Dmitry Muratov, uh, the longtime editor of Novaya Gazeta, um, an independent newspaper whose journalists have sought to expose corruption and rights abuses in the highest government circles in Russia. Several of them have been killed during Putin's 20-plus years in power, including Anna Politkovskaya, of course, who was shot dead 15 years ago last week. Uh, the, the Nobel Peace Prize announcement um, was made one day after uh, the anniversary of her murder. And obviously, the the, the, the prize decision was made uh, with that background in mind, as well as the Russian authorities' persistent clampdown on independent media, and as you mentioned, also um, the opposition in civil society. Uh, so, Carl, my question is really whether these developments are likely to change the Kremlin's behavior or its actions um, at home or abroad. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's always uh, prognosticating is a is a dangerous game. Um, but taking these, you know, one by one, I don't really see um, anything at this point that would that would uh, change the Kremlin's calculus. I think regarding the elections, um, they have. Uh, I think that they have essentially determined that they can get away with a certain uh, level of fraud, and it seems they might even try and uh, push their luck a little bit uh, more with each successive um, election. But, you know, while there was outrage um, among, you know, opposition circles, um uh, at the at the uh, evidence of, of fraud in this past election, I don't think it's there. There's a critical mass that the that produces anything resembling a threat a threat that the Kremlin might feel. Um, uh, with regards to the Pandora Papers, you know, I would say pretty much the same. I mean, the Kremlin showed that it could weather the Panama Papers, which to a certain degree were a lot more damning um, for Putin and his uh, inner circle, uh, particularly the. Um, the musician uh, Roald Dugan and his mysterious, uh, <clears throat> mysterious uh, offshore wealth. Right. Um, I mean, the, the Pandora leak. You know, the most interesting for me was the um, you know the the further re- revelations um, about the very mysterious wealth of the woman with whom Putin allegedly had an out of out of wedlock child, um, and the you know the the emergence of this wealth. Uh, you know, in exactly the same year that uh, that that out of wedlock child alleged out of wedlock child was born, um, 
uh, and in connection with with Bankrasia, you know, which is um, closely associated with Putin's inner circle. Um, so, uh, you know, I think they, I think the Kremlin, as far as the Pandera Papers is concerned, you know, will just, you know, continue to dismiss it as as just hearsay or, or fabrications, even though that, uh, you know, those allegations are patently ridiculous. Um, but I think that, uh, that uh, you know, they'll weather this storm as well. Um, uh, you know, it is interesting that um, we saw recently, we saw last week that Bellingcat was designated a, um, a foreign agent um, and you know, one of the the lead um, the lead publication with the Pandora Papers is I Stories. Uh, you know, a great investigative outlet, also a foreign agent. So I think one way that going forward that they'll start trying to discredit these uh, uh, reports like these um, is specifically to designate uh organizations involved in such investigations as foreign agents so that uh essentially to you know uh sow seeds of doubt uh ab- among these reports because if they're cited by their media they'll have to be uh by law there must be an asterisk um uh mentioning that they are designated as foreign agents right yeah and with regards to the, to the Nobel Peace Prize um uh you know uh I think this this will um, offer a modicum of, of protection for Nova Gazeta, um, although I'm not sure they were they were you know under threat before, even though even as its journalists have been uh, have been killed. But as an organization itself, um, I don't think they were uh, under you know real threat of being shut down, or um, and they remain, I think, the last real independent, major independent media outlet that hasn't been designated a foreign agent. Um, so if that were in the works, this might offer a, a, a sliver of protection. I would say that I think it, uh, and I would hope it does offer some protection for their um, very brave journalists. I'm thinking in particular of Yelena Milashina, who um, in many ways is the successor to uh, Anna Politkovskaya. She broke the uh, broke the story of the gay purge in Chechnya. Mm-hmm. So I would hope that that um, that this prize would um, would help boost the security of Nova Gazeta's journalists. Right, absolutely, and um, certainly do uh, share that hope. Um, but you know, as, as you as you as you seem to to be saying. Uh, Again, with the with the Nobel Prize and the Pandora Papers and the elections, uh, doesn't seem like there's a great deal there to push uh, the Kremlin to change. I guess change its its ways. Um, uh, and there's some controversy about the the Nobel Prize um, that, that kind of gets into that. But I won't uh, I won't discuss that at length. Um, so you know, I, and I, those are very very. Uh, uh, Good analyses. Um, I just add one thing. You know, one thing people are saying about after the elections is kind of um, maybe not a lot of impetus for the Kremlin to change. But there's also very little that the government seems to be offering the people uh, in terms of you know uh, new hopes, new new economic uh, opportunities. So I think that's one thing that. You know, may uh, you know prices are rising. Um, that's one thing that may 
have a better chance, perhaps, of affecting uh, the way the way the Kremlin and the government operate. But of course, uh, it's uh, very hard to predict um, as we go forward. Yeah, I mean, I might I might add that the the, the, the most we saw, I think, the, the Kremlin kind of uh, domestically, uh, you know, made the most uncomfortable was pension reform, um, uh, and uh, you know, I think socioeconomic pressures definitely I think would would may impact them more than than um, say the state of of uh, civil society and free elections yeah, absolutely all right uh, we're running out of time uh, we'll wrap it up there Carl thanks a lot for joining me thank you okay uh, now just a note to say this podcast won't appear next week I'll be back uh, the following Monday October 25th thanks for listening mm-hmm.